to the vent room where respiratory therapists can come and get a little inspiration. I'm your host, Dr. Tabitha Dragonberry. Today, we're talking with Seth Hall. He's a registered respiratory therapist. I'm going to say simply, Seth Hall has done it all for the most part. Your career hasn't followed the standard path that most uh, respiratory therapists have followed. I know you started out as a pediatric respiratory therapist to a traveler, to a lung transplant coordinator, and even now to a clinical specialist in the biotech industry. But we're going to kind of start at the beginning. You started out in pediatrics and then decided to transition um, from the hospital to traveling. What made you decide to do that in your career? Yeah, great question. Thanks for letting me be here, Tabitha. It's an honor. Um, So starting out, it was very interesting. Um, I guess I grew up in Southern West Virginia and kind of the coal fields of Southern West Virginia. So I didn't really travel much growing up, just kind of in the surrounding states. Um, so when I started working at a very busy hospital in Washington, D.C., a children's hospital, I had a simple conversation one one late night shift early in the morning um, with a travel nurse. And that just kind of opened up my entire world to what traveling in this profession and healthcare is like. So that was that beginning introduction. So for me, wanting to travel and explore, that sounded very exciting to me, but it all started by just simply having a conversation with a travel registered nurse one night while working. Um, as a traveler, what states did you actually get to work in? So you were, I guess your full-time job was in Washington, D.C. Where did you get to branch out from there? Oh, man, it's probably easier to say, where did I not travel? <laughs> um, so I started, um, like I mentioned, in Washington, D.C., and then took off to the Midwest, and I worked in Minnesota. I worked at a children's hospital in Minneapolis, And then I moved to the West Coast and worked in several different cities in California. I worked in San Diego and San Francisco, uh, moved up to the Pacific Northwest and worked at Seattle at a children's hospital in the Pacific Northwest. Um, From the West Coast, I came back to the Midwest, worked in Indianapolis. And then I worked in, actually came back to the East Coast and worked at uh, New York City at a children's hospital in Manhattan. Um, From New York, I was given the opportunity to go to Hawaii and I spent a year in Hawaii working as a traveler. And after Hawaii, I came back to the East Coast to work in North Carolina um, at a children's hospital in uh, on the East Coast. So kind of all over the place, a little bit of East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, and even in the Pacific um, on the island. Definitely a little bit of everywhere. So when someone's looking at traveling, what should they know when they're researching a company to go with? Because there's so many out there. What would be the the top things you'd be looking for for a recruit to work with a recruiter from a specific company? I think what starting out, what's most important is knowing is that company regionally based or nationally based? And what are your goals when you want to travel? Where do you want to go? What is on your list of places you want to see? So that's where you're probably going to want to start by finding out, can this company take me everywhere I'm interested in going? Or are they more regionally based? And maybe I'm only going to utilize this company for more of a short-term purpose. Um, So I would start there. And then after that, some really big questions start coming into play as far as negotiating, contracting and what all is involved. And because different companies will differentiate themselves by what they offer from housing 
to rental cars and, you know, even to the pay. So just getting to know that company, what they're trying to accomplish, trying to match that up with what you're trying to accomplish and making sure that just as much as you're a good fit for them, they're a good fit for you. So what questions should someone be asking? So let's say they're looking at going nationally, you know, they're, they're looking to be branching out from, you know, who knows where, um, what would be some of the questions that you would ask that now that you've been, you did it for a while that um, somebody might not think of when they're first starting out? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would want to know what is the housing um, that's provided? Is that something that they take care of? Is that something that it's your responsibility? Say you get a housing stipend and you try to find your own housing. So I would start with that. Most, you know, making sure you have a roof over your head and that you're comfortable and it's where you want to be. So seeing what the housing situation looks like. Aside from that, you know, you're landing in a new city, um, seeing if they're going to provide a rental car, or if that's something you need to figure out how to get your vehicle across the country to where you're going. Those are all things that initially you want to find out. And then very important in healthcare. So finding out first, do they provide healthcare for you, uh, for your coverage that you had maybe at your workplace before you took off as a traveler? And even something as simple that maybe you might not think of in between your assignments. Maybe there's several weeks or a month in between assignments where you're trying to find your next assignment. Do you have health care during that time? So those are questions that I always start out with when I'm talking to a company. also like to know, have they used travelers before? Do they send multiple travelers at one time? Have they worked with that hospital before um, as, a tr- as a travel agency? Those are just all Good questions you want to start out with to make sure that you're getting into um, an assignment that's a good fit for you based on that travel company. Yeah, because in, in preparing for this, I did some research. There are some travel companies, you know, they they provide the regular benefits that you're expecting as an employee. They have dental, vision, health care. Um, they also have 401k. I saw one that had educational benefits. So really, it's it's really diving deep into that. But also, yeah, if you're if you end up in an assignment that there's a break in between or you want to just take two weeks off because you're wanting to do a vacation, right? Because even though you're traveling and seeing the country, you might want to, you know, do something special. But with that, when you were looking at, you know, hopping around and you're you're acquiring all these state licenses, did they pay for it as, once you're assigned in or do they, do you really need your first license? Let's say you're looking to go to California. You know what I'm saying? Like, should they, should the person who's looking at California be like, okay, I want to go to California. Should they maybe incur the cost of that first license and from there get reimbursed on the other licenses? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So um, that's another part of finding a good, a good travel company that's going to have a recruiter that's going to work with you and fight for you. And that's something you want to negotiate is making sure that they help cover those costs for getting your state license. As we all know, our licenses can be, you know, a very um, large part of our expenses for a profession. So imagine picking that up every three to six months and you're having to get a new license and filling out all the paperwork and the time and that's involved with that. So, making sure you're working with a company that's going to assist with that financially. Sometimes you'll have companies that the recruiters will assist with filling out the paperwork, following up with agencies. Um, as we all know, you, you get your 
get your license, but if, if anyone's ever moved to, let's say, just a different state, not even as travel, but just moved, you have to get verification from your previous license that it's in good standing before you can get your next new license. So you can imagine as a traveler, by the time you're on your sixth, seventh, eighth different state, you're waiting on all of those different agencies to verify your good standing just with that one state. So that can definitely be a frustrating part of the process. You want to make sure that your recruiter is helping out with that and that the company is helping cover that cost. And I would say that is the norm if you're using one of the larger companies that you know provides that coverage of assisting financially and also with um, the paperwork involved as well. Great question. So with that, when you were traveling around, did you opt to have like agency provided housing or did you opt for the housing stipend? Starting out um, when you're brand new and terrified, (laughs) I definitely recommend when you first start traveling, if you're going somewhere not close to home to take the travel um, housing from the company at first, it's just going to make that transition into the world of travel so much easier by letting them take care of the housing, at least for your first maybe couple assignments. But after that, that's totally up to you. You want to start negotiating what that housing looks like um, as far as the stipend. And if it's something you feel that you can take that housing stipend and find something that's maybe more affordable, what's really nice about traveling is that difference between the housing stipend and what you find um, that was provided to you. So you'd be able to hang on to that. So I say it's more situational based on your comfort level. If you're a little familiar with where you're going, um, but you have to do your homework. You have to look into the neighborhoods, make sure they're safe. Do you have transportation to get to the hospital where you're going to be working? If you're not going to have a rental car, um, all those factors you need to take, take a look at, but yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely one of the most important parts with traveling. Yeah. I I think that Anywhere you're at, you know, you, you want to have that place to go go at the end of the day and know that you're safe and secure. Um, when you were start starting out, you might have taken the, the housing stipend and then you started branching out to where you're like, OK, I'll do it myself. How did you go about finding short term rentals? Because what's the typical length of a contract? So most contracts are a minimum of 13 weeks. You're looking at close to you know around three months for minimal. Some might be longer. Um, I have seen some contracts that are eight weeks, so that can be a challenge, right? Landlords want to make sure they have a long-term tenant that's going to take care of their place. And here we are as travelers coming in, and we might be in and out in a couple months. So that could be difficult when you're trying to find housing on your own. Um, I would try to look into, for example, the time when I was in the West Coast, Airbnb was just becoming very popular, and I would try to contact some host for Airbnb. And you know, as opposed to taking that nightly rate and multiplying it by 30, I would contact the host and say, hey, I'm a medical traveler. I'm a working professional. I'll take good care of your place. Is there a way maybe we can negotiate a monthly amount and we can do a short-term month to month or you know, three months if you're able to do that? So that was definitely a challenge, but that was kind of how I got around that obstacle starting out was reaching out to either apartment complexes or utilizing services like Airbnb and other services similar to that to see if I could negotiate short-term monthly housing or three-month housing. So with going into travel, what's the typical experience a therapist would need to be able to get into that kind of market? It's a really interesting question because 
to be a successful traveler, it's not so much just based on what you do day to day. For instance, maybe you've worked at your hospital for 20 years and you know your hospital inside out where everything is, all of your equipment. That doesn't mean you're always going to be a successful traveler. So what was really interesting that and it took several assignments for me out of the gate. I, it was all a new learning experience for me as well, but you have to have a, a high learning agility. You have to be adaptable. Um, every assignment you show up to, you think every three or six months, you look at all the equipment that we are, we own and we are the experts to in the world of respiratory. And every three months that might change. You have a different ventilator, a different non-invasive, a different high flow. So you have to be very adaptable, um, both with obviously the, all the equipment we deal with, but just as, with your people skills, you have to play nice in the sandbox. You're going to um, show up to different assignment and you're the new person every three months. So working with your nursing, working with your, um, with your colleagues in nursing and your physicians and even your own staff within respiratory, you have to be adaptable and a high learning agility to know that it's going to be different everywhere you go. And that familiarity that you might have had at your home hospital, that's gone and it's going to change quickly and often. Yeah, I think for me being, you know, traveling around in different regions and working, it's it's one of those things where you have to be adaptable to the change in practice. What though medicine is medicine, the way you kind of do things on the East Coast is different than the way they do it on the West Coast, because I know I've had that experience myself. What about you when you were traveling from these different areas? Absolutely. I mean, we go to national cong uh, congresses and conferences, and you would think there's this one standard way of practice that everyone agrees on, but in the real world, it's not the case. And I think travelers have probably some of the best insight into that when you're working and you see East Coast practice and then West Coast, and then you go to the Midwest and even, you know, going practicing in the islands. When I was in Hawaii, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but there's always more than one way to achieve a goal and you just have to be open-minded on this is how this, um, this healthcare system operates and their outcomes. And it, it's very interesting, but you definitely, that flexibility is key to be a successful traveler. Um, if not, you're going to have a very difficult time. It's going to be a really hard learning lesson if you can't be adaptable. When you start a new organization, obviously you're there, your contract is for, let's say, 13 weeks, three months. How much time do you get education wise or what? what's it like to train? Is it a couple days? Because, I mean, obviously you're not going to go through a full bore orientation like you would if you were hired on as an employee. Yeah, great question. That's a very interesting part with traveling is back to that learning agility is um, they're usually giving maybe a few days to learn, um, you know, the equipment that you're utilizing. If that hospital has any standard of care as far as protocols or practices that they utilize for respiratory, along with the whole hospital, you know, where is the medication? What's the process for obtaining medication and the access that you need and all those barriers? You know, when you think when you first started at your hospital, you do that every three to six months. So that can definitely be challenging. Um, but usually I would say anywhere from two to three days is normal. You're coming in with the expectation that you have the experience um, and then you're given a few days to kind of learn how 
things operate at that hospital. So I would say it's a it's a fast track um, type of orientation process. And that's part of being a success, successful traveler is you have to be able to pick things up quickly and run with them and just rely on your skill set and all the experience you have from the mentors that taught you in the past. And you just utilize that because at the end of the day, you might be at a new hospital, but it's just you and the patient and everything just falls down to, you know, your critical care skills on how you're trained and where your comfort level is with everything. As the new person out in these different locations, I know you were specialized in pediatrics, but do you feel that the assignments that you were given were reasonable or manageable versus, um, you know, I've, I recently saw something on social media where someone was kind of saying, I took my first travel assignment. They gave me an exorbitant amount of treatments that they felt wasn't um, fair right? That it's not a realistic assignment. How during your experiences, you know, I think pediatrics is a little different because we do a little bit more one-on-one care. Did you ever feel that they kind of dumped on you? I'm not sure if maybe I just got lucky or whatever the case was, but I actually didn't run into that. Everywhere I went, maybe it's because, you know, working with critical care children, um, at the end of the day, I felt like everywhere I went, it was a fair, it was, um, the workload was always balanced. I was, I, I never was kind of backed into a corner and just like you, I've definitely, I've heard that obviously travelers, we talk and we share our experiences and I've heard the horror stories of how some people have gone to an assignment and it just was not what they thought they were signing up for, or maybe the travelers were treated one way versus staff. But I was very fortunate every single assignment I went to. Um, once you show up and you earn the respect of those that you're working with, you're, I was treated just like everyone else. I was just part of the critical care team and they knew that I was there for the patients and they wanted someone that's going to be safe you know, working in their hospital for their patient. So I'm very fortunate that I never run into that. Um, but I've definitely have heard those stories as well, for sure. When you're interviewing as a traveler, how does that typical interview process go? So you you have your recruiter that says, hey, we want to put you in for this particular position. How does it work from there? Initially, you fill out your skill your skill set list for what your background is and, you know, whether that's in the NICU, the PICU, the adult world, the trauma world. So starting out with your skill set will kind of filter whether you're, you will potentially be a good fit for that assignment or not. From there, there's usually going to be that second step of an interview process where you speak to someone on location at that, that healthcare facility. So whether that's a Skype interview, that's a phone call interview, very infrequently you'd ever be asked to actually travel to that hospital as a traveler. Um, to do an interview. So it's usually done remotely. Most of my interviews were via phone. I had a couple Skype or WebEx interviews as well. And, and I think it's more of they have the paper in front of them to see what your skill sets are. Now they just want to make sure your personality is a good fit for their team and what they're trying to accomplish. So that's usually the next step. And then from there, it's pretty quick. Once you've gone through the skill set interview, followed by speaking with either the director, or the educator, or the manager, whoever's doing um, or managing the workload of the travelers and bringing them in. It's usually a quick process after that. How does it work when you're looking at either 
possibly extending if there's an offer or you're looking to move on to a new assignment. How soon in that assignment of those 13 weeks, because like three months is over like a snap of the a blink of the eye, you know, snap of the finger, blink of the eye. So when would you start looking at seeing whether or not they wanted you to continue on or you wanted to move on? Yeah, that's a really good question. So first you have to protect yourself. So if you know that you're not staying in state, you want to already be working on your next state licensure. So let's say you start a travel assignment, you're only a month into your first assignment. If you have any idea where you might want to go next, you should start right away on that next state licensure. Now, if you're staying in state, maybe it's not as big of a hassle and you already knew you have that state licensure. But I would say anywhere from a month out to two by the latest two weeks out from the last assignment, you want to make sure that those next steps are taken care of. You definitely don't want to wait till last minute unless you're planning on taking a brief period in between assignments to take a break. That's totally fine. But first protect yourself by making sure that you're getting the, the paperwork rolling for the next steps of getting that state licensure. Then after that, what I personally did was I would go to the director, the manager, educator at that hospital, thank them for bringing me in, tell them that, you know, about my experience, if it was a great experience, share that with them about what was good. Um, and then just let them know that I would be open to extending if that opportunity were provided. So I always started with the healthcare facility to let them know that first. That way, if the recruiter is reaching out and the recruiter has that conversation with whoever is owning that process at the hospital, then that hospital already knows that I'm willing and able to stay if given the opportunity to extend. So it was interesting everywhere I traveled, I was offered a job to stay. And I think that's just a reflection of all the mentors I had in the past. But I also made sure that if I wanted to extend or if I wanted to stay, that I spoke up for myself to make sure that they knew both at, both at the hospital and my recruiter knew. Because at the end of the day for the hospital, that's one less person they don't have to reorient when they bring in that new wave of high, of travelers that are coming in. I can just continue taking care of the patients at their hospital and I'm not having to go through another orientation process. So it's a win-win for you and for the hospital. How long did you do traveling overall? I believe I traveled for around seven, around seven years, I believe. So I uh, actually traveled all over the country and then um, went to another assignment as a traveler where I was asked, they had a opening for a clinical educator position. And, you know, as a traveler, you see you're exposed to a lot. You see all the different policies and procedures and how people practice across the country. And you're familiar with uh, a very diverse group of equipment and you're comfortable with it. So it just things fell into place to where that's how my traveling had stopped was I went to an assignment and it turned into an opportunity to be a clinical educator. That's super interesting. With that, I guess, um, you just kind of fell into place there. What's, what was your favorite part about traveling? Hands down, my favorite part of traveling was sharing it with my family. So being able to bring my family out to each assignment, you know, I would usually wait until closer to the end of the assignment. That way I could learn the city. I could find the great places to go eat and find things I think my family would like to do. So that was by far my favorite part, you know, growing up in the coal fields of Southern West Virginia, getting out to explore and then being able to share that with my mom and my dad and my brother. 
hands down my favorite part of traveling. What was the most challenging part of the same thing of traveling? I think for me personally, um, knowing that I was there for the patient and I wanted to do a good job and get along well with others. When you start out, you're the new person, every single assignment. And it takes a while to get kind of earn everyone's respect. They know that you're competent and you're going to take care of the patients as well. So I think just being the new person every three to six months, when you first start out, that can be a little frustrating after you've done several assignments and you start to become more seasoned, it's not so much an issue. You're, you have more patience. But I think when you first start, um, just knowing that you're going to have a little pushback that, you know, people don't know where you are in your career and you're coming to this hospital new and they just want to make sure their patients are protected. So I think that's probably the most frustrating part is you're in the new guy every three to six months. And um, like I said, starting out, that was probably where most of my frustration was. Um, but over time, you know, you learn more patience and you learn that they're going to learn you and how you work well with others and your work ethic. And if it's a good fit, you're not going to have any issue at all. With traveling, you know, there might be somebody who's trained in pediatrics or only trained in NICU um, or whatnot. Were you able to like gain skills in traveling or did they just kind of stick you with what they knew you could do? I definitely was. I would say that most of that, um, they're going to take that risk on you once you've been there and you extend. But for instance, I continue to grow in different units and some units that I either had very little experience and wanted more experience or completely new opportunities. Those were provided with me for traveling. And some of it was just due to their staffing. If they were extremely short staffed and maybe it's a very busy respiratory season and um, you're there as a traveler, you might be introduced to new um, scenarios and situations that you haven't worked in in the past. So at the end of the day, you always want to speak up to your comfort level to protect you and to protect the patients as well. But I would say most of my gained experience was after I was there for an extended time and I wanted to stay longer. Um, once they got to know me and my skill set and I got to be comfortable with the hospital, um, I was definitely able to grow and be challenged and take on new opportunities that I hadn't had in the past. With being traveling around, you know, you said five to seven years, did you ever have a time where you weren't able to get an assignment when you wanted one? Because I think that's the concern, right? When you're looking at this opportunity of traveling and getting to see the U.S., that you're always in the back of the mind that like might be that, I guess, the what might keep somebody from holding back from taking that experience is being worried that, you know, what happens if I can't get a job? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're thinking about starting traveling, that's always in your back. Your mind is, okay, well, what if I take off to assignment and then, then what, what happens next? So to be completely honest, that was always there, but I will tell you, I actually didn't run into that scenario. Um, if I had multiple assignments in a row and maybe there was a couple opportunities coming up and I just wasn't interested in taking on any of those opportunities, I would use that time to go catch up with my family in between assignments. So I would take a couple weeks, go home, spend time with them until that right opportunity came up. So fortunately for me, I didn't run into a whole lot of those issues. The only time I thought I might was I was actually living in New York City. I was working in Manhattan. And I had just a great time, you know, and a, an awesome assignment in New York City. 
and I was getting a little worried about my next assignment. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and it was Hawaii. Um, so the only time I was actually most worried about if I was going to have something turned into living in Hawaii for a year. So everything falls into place, you know, just kind of along those same lines. I was thinking about actually staying in Hawaii, right? Who wouldn't want to sign on and just stay there? Um, and at that time, my mother had become sick and she was needing a stem cell transplant at Duke University in North Carolina. And just as I mentioned earlier, everything falls into place. I was able to get a travel assignment um, at the same hospital where she was being treated. So for me, I, I maybe I was lucky. I'm not sure what it was, um, but I was very fortunate that everything just kind of fell into place for me, assignment to assignment. That's good to know, you know, because I know that's one of those things that I think that really might prevent somebody is that stability. You know, when you have a full time job, you know that it's there. And unless you've done something really bad, which chances are no one will. Um, but not having work is always a, a worrisome thing. So it's it's good to know that, you know, for five to seven years, you really didn't come across that because I think you have to plan, right? So if you want a vacation as a traveler, you don't really get paid vacation. You might do something two weeks in between assignments, but you have to plan financially to be prepared for that. Absolutely. And, you know, you have your busy respiratory season where you're going to be able to pick up and go pretty much anywhere in the country. That demand is there. Um, the demand for needing more respiratory care practitioners to manage these sick patients on ventilators. But even in the summertime, when you think, oh, well, there's more downtime, will I have trouble in the summer? Well, a lot of their current staff are on vacations and they need coverage for covering vacations and maternity leaves. And so the need is always there. There's definitely spells where, you know, you might have a little bit more of a concern, but as soon as respiratory season hits, as a traveler, you're going to be able to pick wherever you want to go. So from there, you ended up kind of absorbing an education role. Let's say somebody is interested in a hospital that they've, I kind of look at traveling as the opportunity to interview a hospital <laughs> and figure out if you really want to work there and also interview an area. Because I know I look at when I go interviewing for a job, I kind of look at it. It's a first date that leads to a marriage because... Absolutely. You go, you're testing each other out, but you really don't know how that relationship's going to be in the long run. So at least with traveling, if you're really kind of wondering how a facility works, no one's going to be on good behavior for 13 weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good point. It definitely gives you the chance to. Um, and I know several other travelers that they took a travel assignment because they actually wanted to move to that city. They wanted to relocate and travel was just a way for them to try it before they were signing on full time. They took an assignment there, made sure that that city and that that hospital was a good fit for them and their work life balance with their family. And it's a smart move. I, I wasn't that smart to think about that. I was traveling to be traveling, but definitely even if you're considering relocating, that might be a great option for someone and their family to try it out first as a traveler to make sure that that's really what you want to do. Yeah, before you commit to, to moving cross country or whatnot, because it's definitely, you know, it's it's a way to see if that facility is a right fit, because when you're doing your standard interview, you know, you ask your they ask you the standard questions, you ask them the standard questions and when you're doing your interview, even if they tour you around, you're not, you don't get that feel on how that facility actually runs or how that department is looked at within the hospital. 
So if you at least can kind of visit through a travel way, you can be like, okay, I really like it here or, or not. Now, if somebody wanted to transition, let's say from that travel position to a f- position within the hospital, is there either, does the hospital have to do something to do that? Or is there a particular kind of industry standard waiting period where if you left that hospital, you would be able to apply for a full-time job later? Do you know? Yeah, that's a really good question. So based on when you first start traveling, you're going to sign a contract. So just like with any contract that you negotiate, you want to make sure you read the fine print. You want to make sure that you look at it, um, sit down and look at it and talk over your fam- with your family and make sure that you know all factors involved because these are multifactorial decisions when you jump into traveling. There's a lot of big decisions you have to make, and some of those could include something like a non-compete. Maybe if you stop traveling with one company, um, you can't sign on to a hospital for an X amount of time, a month, three months, six years, maybe a one year. That's something you want to pay close attention to. I purposely um, steered clear of a specific travel company that limited my opportunities by having something like that in their, um, in their initial uh, paperwork. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I will say that it's becoming more infrequent. I haven't ran into, I didn't run into that issue within my travels, but I did speak to a couple other travelers that were having issues with that, that they wanted to stay somewhere, but they couldn't because they were just ending a travel assignment there. And there had to be a a period of time in between before they could actually sign on to an account where they just were. So it's definitely something to keep in mind when you're looking at your contract. Make sure you talk with your recruiter, ask that question, because you might go somewhere that you absolutely love and you want to stay. So you want to make sure that that is not part of the negotiation. Yeah, because I would think that that would be difficult if you found like that ideal department that where you clicked with and then you're kind of stuck because there was some fine print in the the contract would be not wouldn't make you happy in the in the process. Yeah, for sure. It's very important. Do you have any advice for anybody that might be in that pre-contemplation phase of possibly looking into travel? I would start with finding out why do you want to travel? So as opposed to um, maybe you want to travel to travel and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, I mentioned it was very interesting for me to take off and travel and explore new parts of the country. Um but I also wanted to gain experience. I purposely traveled at just children's hospitals that I had heard great things about. And I knew that they had very busy critical care units where I was going to, even as a traveler, continue to grow and learn and be challenged. So I think it's just based on what do you want to do? Are you wanting to travel to just sightsee? And there's nothing wrong with that. I had several assignments where you know, the sightseeing part was one of my favorite parts of taking that assignment, but also professionally and developing, you know, as far as your career development, what do you want to get from traveling? And that's something that you want to sit down and you want to think about and you want to make sure that as you take these assignments that, um, you know, it's not just a fun city you're going to, but are you going to be happy with the hospital as well? So I, I would I would take a deep look at why do you want to travel? Are you ready to travel? Is it a good time in your career? Maybe not now, but maybe next year in a couple years. That, so those are all big questions that you want to talk to you know, your family with or just have a heart to heart with what you want out of life and what you want out of traveling as well. That's definitely some things. I know that there's always, I know when you were traveling, you weren't necessarily traveling with anybody, but some people will 
you know, they can travel with their partner, they can travel with their kids, um, but they just have to look at the logistics. You know, nowadays there's elementary school online or like if you're from Florida, there's Florida virtual school. So the, the student, the kids can still do their studies while you're traveling. It's just kind of figuring out what works for you. Yeah, it's interesting. I ran into a couple of travelers um, who I thought they were just brilliant. They were um, both travel respiratory care practitioners and one would take one assignment for three months while the other one was taking care of the family and then the other one would take the next assignment but they both traveled together across country together um, but they kind of staggered their contracts to where one could focus on family while the other one was you know working at the hospital and i thought that was very interesting no that's definitely interesting and then i know there's some travelers that they'll you know purchase an rv or something like that and they'll look at taking that stipend money to pay for their rv and still put some money away and just find places that they can kind of rent a, an rv spot for three months and and, and work it out of their so they they're not having to change their home every three months it's just their home moves every three months you're absolutely right i definitely met some great travelers who were doing the exact same thing they were going across the country in winnebago and using those travel assignments to just pay for a lot fee to park where they needed to park and you know they would put the rest away towards retirement or whatever they were trying to do financially as far as their own goals and it's it's interesting. Travel is it's so diverse and it's eclectic and there's a lot of things you can really do. So you transitioned from being a lung transplant coordinator. How did you how did traveling prepare you for that new role in your career? Great question. So as a traveler, you build a very diversified portfolio of experiences. You're caring for different types of patients all over the country, you know, that's usually including many trauma and transplant centers which for critical care involve the care of donors and transplant recipients. And I was used to seeing coming into work and hearing, oh, that patient got their heart or they got their lungs, um, but reminding yourself where that comes from. So something very powerful happens in between. And I was fortunate enough to become a part of that by working for an organ procurement organization or OPO. So... Just to kind of highlight that, you know, during the darkest hour for a family that has just lost their loved one, um, when their loved one becomes a donor, whether it's donor designation um, or the next of kin made that decision, when their life couldn't be saved, they become a hero by helping save the life of others. So I worked alongside organ recovery coordinators and family services to maximize the amount of lives that can be saved through organ donation. And it was just an amazing experience. I am thankful to have been a part of that, and I will always be an advocate for organ donation. It definitely sounds amazing. I do know that we do have an interview coming up with somebody that works in organ procurement, so they will be able to give us more into those, those stories. Yeah, that's awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to me about this and your experience. Hopefully, it gives some people some insight on that as they might be contemplating travel. I think that, you know, it's something that you could do or it can do at any point of your career. I think even with somebody who's looking to retire, they could do it right before to figure out where they want to be. Where do they want to be when they retire, you know, as they test out those cities? Absolutely. I completely agree. Thank you so much, Tabitha, for your time. Like I said, just for me, being a successful traveler, part of that and a huge part of that was mentors that I had in my past. It was one of those being you as well, being able to work together in the past and all the things I learned from you and 